uh, the book of the Believer's Authority. And uh, we're under the section heading Spiritual Dynamics. If you happen to have a book, uh, that's where we are tonight. If not, just give us your good ear and uh, follow with us and we'll be doing just fine. So, uh, once we're, now we're dialed in, how are we doing? I think so, it's just going a little slow. So again, uh, so we're talking about the Believer's Authority. I, as I mentioned before, this is the first teaching I got from Andrew <coughs> back in 2009. And uh, this is when we started this journey with Karis Bible College and, and whatnot. And so, um, you know, a lack of better term, this could be also called spiritual warfare. I just like uh, this title better, the Believer's Authority, uh, because, uh, you know, we're not here to magnify Satan. We're here to, uh, and we are in a war. That's the very first chapter to talk about we have to know we're in a war. At the same point in time, you know, we we have authority. We have the upper hand. You know, Satan really has no authority. He only has authority we give him. And uh, he has authority. To, he has, his main weapon is to deceive us and to... And when he deceives us, that's how when we get to chapter two, he can devour us. And so we, uh, you know, we should not be ignorant of his devices. And his main device is deception, lies, uh, which kind of goes with deception. But uh, but he doesn't have any power that we don't give him. We have authority. Jesus took the keys of heaven and hell. Uh, and hell. We have authority. Jesus conquered, and. Uh, Jesus said, "All he has all authority uh, after the cross. He, he he made that declaration, and we have Jesus. Jesus on the inside of us. We've been, we have received Christ, and we are of Christ, and so we're born of God. And we have authority. <coughs> you know, it's a cop. If a cop didn't know he had authority, he would not, he would have a very hard time out there in the field. But he, he does have authority." I know we live in a day and age where people are trying to de- defund the police and try to uh, take over police authority, but the police have authority, and uh, and so uh, and that you know that they have a whole department, they have a whole agency, they have. Uh, I mean, you mess with one cop, you mess with all of them, and so uh, and so and rightfully so, you know, uh, and so they but they have authority, and as believers. We have authority. <coughs> now, if we talk about spiritual warfare, but we don't realize we have authority, we're already beaten before we even start. <laughs> you know, if you don't think you have any authority, then then when when you go into talk about spiritual warfare, then you're already you're already going to war and with the defeated. I mean, if a, if a soldier went to to war without any weapons, <laughs> without any knowledge that he could win this thing. You know, it's a, it's just a it's a it's a it's a lost cause, but we do have authority, and Satan must submit and surrender. He must flee, and uh, that's just one aspect. But there's what we've been talking about lately here at the beginning of this teaching. You know, some of us are are casting the devil out the back front door when he we're letting him right back in the back door, <laughs> and so we got to be we got to also be wise of his devices. Because sometimes we are the ones that allowed him in. <laughs> we want to kick him out, but we're the ones that allowed him in, you know. And, and so we need to realize how we can uh, uh, not open some doors to that. So, uh, the, again, we're in Chapter 2 again tonight, Whom We May Devour. 
under the section heading if you have a book, Spiritual Dynamics. And what, what I like about, especially in, in Paul's writings, uh, he reminds us that, yes, it's a spiritual battle, but that God has, uh, through Jesus, already prepared us and given us uh, our weapons, our armor, everything we need to live out our victorious life and have authority because that's how he designed it to be. Um, so I just, I, I'm just, I'm grateful for Andrew for putting down into words uh, how we as Christians can live and um, have that believer's authority. Um, but let's get into it. You need to set a watch before your mouth, Psalm 141.3, and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, 2 Corinthians 10.5. You need to control your actions, Galatians 5.22-24, and recognize that the demonic realm is trying to take a shot at you every day of your life. If you allow a door to be open to them, they'll come in for no other purpose than to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10.10. 10. Remember, Satan is looking for whom he may devour. You need to learn to recognize the spiritual dynamics happening in your life. God wants you to yield to him so that his power and blessings can be released in you. Satan wants you to yield to him so that destruction and death can be released in you. In order to gain an inroad, the enemy is constantly trying to snare you with bitterness, unforgiveness, and ungodliness of all kinds. Therefore, no matter what you do, you're either obeying God or obeying Satan. You're either submitting to God and his influence or to Satan and his influence. Every time you act, you're releasing spiritual power, either God's or the devil's, into your life. Since most people are ignorant of this truth, they allow all kinds of things in their life. Yet if they were to recognize the results they're going to reap, they would have never allow these things. At one time, the wife of one of our Bible college students was suffering from severe depression. When I began to tell her how she could be delivered from this, she explained that she had battled depression since she was a little girl. She would go through a period of one or two months each year where she would be severely depressed and have to treat it with medication. When I told her, you don't have to live this that way anymore, you need to get over this, she answered, this is just the way that I am. It's not hurting anything. I get over it. Everything's okay in a month or so. She had totally accepted and embraced this depression, thinking it was only a passing thing that had no lasting impact. But every time we submit to doing things Satan's way, we are having spiritual relations, relations with him, which conceives evil. It isn't just benign. Okay, thank you. Uh... You know, some really good, powerful things, and I, you know, sometimes I wish we didn't have the gap of uh, last week. Just it, piggybacks on what we were talking about last week. You know, there's just many things that we give an inroad to Satan, and I really kind of like this. I think it's the second paragraph here, and I want to reread a couple of this a little bit again. You need to learn to recognize the spiritual dynamics happening in your life. God wants you to yield to Him, so you, so that His power and blessing can be released in you. But Satan wants you to yield to him so that destruction and death can be released in you. In order to gain an inroad, the enemy is constantly trying to snare you with bitterness, unforgiveness, and ungodliness of all kinds. 
Therefore, no matter what you do, you are either obeying God or obeying Satan. You're either submitting to God and his influence or to Satan and his influence. Every time you act, you're releasing spiritual power, either God's or the devil's, into your life. Since most people are ignorant of this truth, they allow all kinds of things in their life. Yet, if they were to recognize the results they're going to reap, they would never allow these things. You know, everything is a seed. Every thought, every action is a seed. You know, when you go out and, 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 the, and a farmer plants corn or tomatoes or potatoes or whatever, the you know, when you plant corn, you are not going to get green beans. You're not going to get oranges. If you plant corn, guess what you're going to get? Corn. If you plant oranges, you're not going to get bananas. You're going to get oranges. Every thought, every action is a seed. You ever say something, say, say something and you wish you could take the words back? It's like toothpaste out of a toothpaste tube. You just can't put, once you squeeze that tube, you can't get that toothpaste back in there. No matter what you try. You just can't, I mean, you can try, you can try, you'll make a big mess doing it. Most of it's going to dry up before you even try to get it in there, you know. And so it's just, uh, you know, every seed. You know, let me say this. You can say something to someone. You could be mean. You could have reacted to a situation and, and said something you maybe shouldn't have said. And you wish you, you can go back and you can apologize. And you can say, I was wrong. And that, and that would be the right thing to do. At the same point in time, if they took those words that you said and they harvest those words, they begin to mold them over, they begin to meditate on them, they begin to gestate and germinate. You know, you can apologize, but now they have the job to, to weed out what you just said. At the same point in time, if you, if you sow, sow good seed and you just made their day, you spoke a blessing over their life, you know, you just call someone up and say, you know what, I was thinking about you. I just wanted you to know I think about you, praying for you, I wanted you to be blessed, or whatever the case may be, and you just made their day. That's also seed. You know, you could actually save someone's life by doing something like that. You know, you don't, you don't know what people are, are thinking of or what's going on. You know, everything we do, everything we say is a seed, whether to others or to ourselves or whatnot. And... It's either, there's, you know, there's all types of laws in the world. There's a law of gravity. There's a law of thermodynamics, you know, lift and thrust. There's all kinds of, uh, you know, um, all kinds of law, uh, natural laws. But there are also spiritual laws. And there's a law of reaping and sowing. <coughs> you will reap whatever you sow. And every action and every seat, every, every uh, behavior, every thought is... Is uh, you will reap whatever you sow, and so we need to sow good seeds, and we need to not sow bad seeds. The Bible says, Paul says, and I think it's at Galatians: if you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you'll reap corruption. Some people wonder why there's so much corruption in their life because they sow to the flesh, and they they, they blame God and they blame Satan, and, and neither one of them had anything to do with it. You sow to the flesh, and of the <coughs> of the flesh, not God. You. Reap correction. Now, now, uh, 
uh, Satan will jump all over that like a chicken on a doom bug. But at the same point in time, you know, uh, you're the one that sowed that seed. Satan, you just gave an end road to Satan. And we, I think we were studying last week, you know, where there's envy and strife, there is every evil work. And when there's strife, when there's envy uh, going on, you just open the door to every evil work. You know, there's so many different scriptures I can bring out this. And I'm, I'm not, we're not sharing these things to, to get you all rattled up and, 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 and confused and depressed and discouraged. You know, there's one gal who, Andrew said, you don't have to be depressed. And she says, well, this is just the way I am. Baloney. <laughs> you know, you're, you're that way because you choose to be that way. People, you know, I understand people have issues, but you can be set free. Jesus came to set the captives free. Jesus, we sometimes act like Jesus accomplished nothing at the cross. But he did accomplish something at the cross. Not just so we can go to heaven. That was, that's a major deal. But that's only one aspect of Jesus going to the cross. Today is a day of salvation. We can, we can, you know, bless the Lord on my soul who, who, who heals all my diseases and forgives all my sins. Who redeems my life from destruction. Uh, you know, maybe your life is a destruction. Maybe <coughs> you have destruction in your life because of your own folly. Maybe you got yourself in a mess. But one of the benefits of your salvation is that he can redeem your life from destruction. You know, he can renew your youth like the eagles. He can satisfy your mouth with good things. You know, uh, I mean, that's one of my favorite benefits. <laughs> You know, I like my steak, I like my potatoes, I like my chocolate. You can satisfy my mouth with good things. You know, and anyway, there's a lot I can I can just share. But we have a lot of benefits. But we, you know, we, we need, you know, we can talk about spiritual warfare. We can talk about casting the devil out. We, you know, we, we'll talk about some things. But at the same point in time, we need to, <coughs> some of us need to stop letting the devil in. <laughs> You know, we need to we need to we need to uh, be mindful of our thoughts. I feel like I'm talking Star Wars. Be mindful of your thoughts, old Padawan. <laughs> you know, but uh, but at the same point in time, you know, we just need to be mindful, and uh, we need to. Uh, Jesus Jesus told told us in the parable of the sower in Mark or Luke. He said, "Take heed what you hear, and take heed how you hear." You know, what are what? You know, our mind is our is our garden. And what seeds are you allowing in your garden? What are you listening to? What are you, what are you being influenced by? You know, I understand there's some things that we need to know about in the news and whatnot, but most news today is not even news anymore. I mean, most of it's not, it's just a bunch of lies. And uh, at the same point in time, you know, and I, and I'm, I don't have an issue knowing the headlines, but at the same point in time, don't consume your day, your whole day with that. To me, it's just junk. You know, it just, I, you know, consume yourself with the Word of God and the other things. No, I understand that we have to work and different things, but we already been talking, and we've been talking about on Sunday nights how we need to meditate on God's Word day and night. You know, God's Word, the Spirit of God, the things of God should be our most dominant thought. Not, not the cares of this world. Not the deceitfulness of riches, not the, not the, the lust of the flesh, not the, not not all the animosity, animosity in, that's in the world, 
there's a lot of stuff that we can focus on that you know if you if where you can be so intoxicated with the news and things that are going on in this world and if Jesus is not your most dominant thought you're going to go crazy you know some of you've already gone crazy you know and especially in these last days Jesus all the apostles and Jesus said terrible times are coming or how it will come and if you Jesus is not your focus if God is not your focus, the Word of God is not your focus, you're going to go crazy, uh, you know, and uh, that's, it's not healthy. And I'm not saying we're not, we don't need to be involved. We need to be involved. To, uh, I believe half, half the reason why we're going through the problems we are in our country is because we haven't been involved like we should, you know. Someone else will take care of it. Well, someone else is taking care of it, but not the way we want. <laughs> and so, anyway... You know, this section reminded me of a couple things, and I know Andrew brings out taking your thoughts captive, because that is a big part of it, but he, but I also, since we're doing Sunday night's uh, effortless change, I also, in my mind, toggle back between believer's authority and effortless change, um, and I know uh, Andrew helps us see that, that, you know, what we speak uh, is also a big part of it, not just what we think. And we can, you know, the power of life and death uh, are in your tongue. And I think I quoted yeah. that right. Um, but it reminds me, you know, Dave used to work retail uh, for years. And he told me about, uh, he had, he had um, asked his manager, he's like, why do you always tell us all the complaints that we get? Does anybody ever compliment us? And they're like, oh yeah, there's a lot of compliments for the store and for the workers. And Dave's like, well, how come we only hear the negative stuff? And, and I don't remember if they had an answer, but um, Dave started telling the employees, hey, you know, good job. Hey, you know, I saw what you did here. You helped the customer there. And he noticed that when the employees would get all the negative feedback, all the criticisms and everything. They just walked around defeated and didn't do their jobs very well. But the more they were complimented and uh, someone affirmed that what they were doing mattered, they started walking around with their heads held high. They smiled more. They did their job well. And, you know, you could, you, you can, um, be a leader wisely and still, you know, be able to bring discipline or correction. Um, but if, if it's done in a negative way, you know, that it, it doesn't really help. Uh, but, but there are ways to do it. Uh, and that's just one thing, you know, I'm, I'm, we're talking about, you know, the, the tongue and what we say and how it can affect us, how it can even bring in uh, Satan influences or not. Um, but I also remember a story Dave told of, of um, a pastor's family that he, he knew, I believe, and one of their kids was becoming a teenager, and so the parents uh, said, you know, oh no, it's the teenage years, oh dear, you know, you're just going to be a whatever, uh, uh, you know, teenagers go through and be difficult, and the, the teenager said, no, I'm not going to. 
you know, by God's grace, I am not going to be a, a typical um, rebellious teenager. I am going to act how God wants me to act. And they didn't have any of the, the rebelliousness that um, some teenagers go through. And, you know, we, we can take a stand. We can say, okay, God, you're going to help me through this, and I'm going to react how you would have me react. Just like these verses that, that Andrew brought out in the very first paragraph about setting a watch before our mouth, Psalm 141.3, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, 2 Corinthians 10.5, controlling our actions, Galatians 5.22 and 24, <coughs> and, and just realizing, you know, John 10, 10, I know uh, Andrew quoted about the, the thief, Satan coming to steal, kill, and destroy, but that verse also says that, that Jesus came, that we would have life and life more abundant, and we need to realize that we are looking from a standpoint of victory, um, we're, we just, a lot of us, a lot of times, uh, see the defeat because the enemy is very uh, good at, at deceiving us and, and uh, keep getting thoughts in our head that aren't good or different things. And, you know, a Andrew's sharing about, you know, we do at times can open the door to Satan and different things. And, you know, at... at um, there's been times when I've liked certain books because uh, I like to read or watch certain shows or movies. But when I realized that even if I like the storyline of the book or, or the movie, if, if there is some evil influence in it, that maybe it wasn't good for me to watch. You know, I, I trusted God at an early age and, you know, I could discern, you know, right or wrong and good and evil and uh, some spiritual influence in different things, but I realized that just like someone with a natural diet and watching what they eat, you know, what, what we allow in us, whether it be our thoughts, uh, something we watch on TV, a book we read, uh, that can also be a door that opens and, and lets Satan in to, to tweak our, our thought process and, and think on things we shouldn't. And so I, I took a stand. You know, there are some shows that I would like to watch again, but I've told myself I'm not going to do that because even though the storyline is, is good, there are some things in there, the, the morals and, and some of the, the sin and different things that they uh, have in the, the storyline. I, I don't want to see that. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to have that in, in front of my eyes. So I've closed that door to, to Satan and, and you know, sometimes we just need to make a stand. But we also, uh, as Andrew's bringing out through this entire book, that we have this authority from God that that Jesus went, Jesus went through a lot for so much for us. And part of that was... For him to give us back the authority that we are originally given in the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve gave up uh, not knowing what it would and uh, what it would do and entail and all the catastrophic stuff that entailed but they and they didn't know any better but they freely gave their authority to to Satan and 
Jesus, through his mercy, through his lordship, he took that all back and gave it back to us. And we don't have to be defeated by the, the enemy any longer. We don't have to uh, have the yearly flu or the yearly cold. I mean, growing up, I used to be like, oh, yep, that was my cold for the year. Oh, yep, it's, you know, I haven't had the flu yet. I'm sure it's coming. You know, and as a child, I didn't know any better. But as an adult, when I learned what Jesus did, not just for my salvation as far as saving me so I don't go to hell, but that I have authority and he gave me, he paid the price for my healing. I don't have to deal with the the sicknesses and, and, and things that are out there that I have that authority to resist those that completely changed my life. I mean, both Dave and I, um, have not had to, to, had to deal with, with the, the yearly colds and flus like we used to. I mean, it's just, you can do that. I mean, even headaches, I used to get glare headaches, you know, just moment I walked outside the house, even with sunglasses I mean it was just one second and I have a headache for the rest of the day just because of the sun and the glare and when I realized that Jesus paid the price for my healing and that he gave me authority I knocked that that uh, that headache thing out of out of my system I I resisted it and praise God he helped me do this and it's rare now that I've that I get headaches it's very rare all right well let's read some more uh since conception <coughs> every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death james 1 14 and 15. sin is conceived in your emotions Every time you have a negative emotion, whether it be sadness, anger, fear, strife, or one of many others, you conceive something. Many people are conceiving things they don't want to birth. They don't want depression, strife, suicide, or the marriage to fall apart. Yet they allow these negative emotions to flow through them without recognizing that we're in a spiritual battle. When you give in to your flesh and start saying and doing these things, you are releasing spiritual forces. There's a battle raging and the enemy's looking for an opportunity to come against you. The devil's will is to devour everyone he can. 1 Peter 5.8 He desires to steal, kill, and destroy every person everywhere. John 10.10 10. If Satan got what he wanted, then the whole earth would be devastated and there would be no good anywhere. However, God has a will too. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. John 10, 10. Jesus is trying to release life into you. Satan is trying to steal, kill, and destroy anything good that you have. Both are willing and able to move and manifest these things in your life, but the determining factor is you. You need to recognize this battle that's raging and the fact that everything you say and do is either empowering God or the devil. The Lord wants to release his life into you. Satan wants to steal that life and kill and destroy you. It's not fate or luck. Your thoughts, choices, and actions 
make a huge difference in your life. Yeah, you know, I don't have a lot to comment on here. I know I had a little interaction with the puppy. Um, but at the same point in time, you know, to me, just re, uh, building on the same principle that we just saw you talking about, there's things that we can do just to, to, to that, in a sense, it, it releases Satan to our lives, you know, and we just need to uh, avoid those things, because, uh, uh, you know, as, you know, the title of this section was Sin's Conception, Sin is Conceived, and, you know, it's conceived in your, I like this part, though, so we'll pick it back on this. The first paragraph here, sin is conceit in our emotions. Every time you have a negative emotion, whether it's sadness, anger, fear, strife, or one or many others, you're conceiving something. Many people are conceiving things that they don't want to birth. They don't want depression, strife, suicide, or their marriage to fall apart. Yet they allow these negative emotions to flow through them without recognizing that they're we're in a spiritual battle. When you give in to your flesh and start saying and doing these things, you are releasing spiritual forces. There is a battle raging, and the enemy is looking for an opportunity to come against you. You know, and I, I know a lot of people don't realize that. <coughs> and some people might just flat out not agree with that. But, you know, whether you agree with it or don't agree with it doesn't change the fact. It doesn't change the truth. And... Uh, our actions are, you know, it starts with our emotions, it starts with our attitudes, it starts with our thoughts, you know, and uh, um, we're not controlled by our emotions. You know, we, you know, one of my favorite verses is from Galatians 5.16, when you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. The key is not trying to, you don't control your flesh by the flesh. You can't control your emotions, but you can't. You know, I don't. <coughs> I don't believe you can just say, "I'm not going to be angry," or "I'm not going to," "I'm not going to be sad or depressed." No, you, as you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Our flesh lusts for stuff. Our flesh, yes, we a lot of times we think of lust for immoral things, sexual things, and that's obviously uh, one aspect of lust. But we can lust to be depressed. We can lust to be angry. You know, you ever try to encourage someone who's in a bad mood, you know, and just by trying to encourage them, you just actually put fuel on their, on their bad mood, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so it's just, uh, our flesh can lust for a lot of things. I mean, it's, it's like this gal uh, a minute ago who uh, was depressed and Andrew said, you don't have to live that way. Well, it's just the way I am. There's something about her that, uh, um, you know, I wanted that depression. <laughs> you know, people have fought us to be sick. <laughs> people will fight to be sick. We we used to, we've had men, people, we've ministered to people before, and they said, you know, if I get, well, do you mean, does that mean I won't get disability anymore? I have to go back to work? <laughs> well, of course. Well, so, well, then I don't want to be healed because I want, I, I don't want to go back to work. I want to have disability. We've had a lot of people say that. That's selfish. That's just wrong. You know, uh, and so, um, it just, uh, uh, anyway, I could, I could piggyback on that a lot, you know, the flesh, you know, some people just love to be pampered. <laughs> they want to be waited on. You know, when you have a, a disease or illness, you put a lot of other people out of, sometimes your family suffers. Sometimes society around you suffers because they got to cater to you. And I'm not saying people shouldn't, you know, 
reach out to those who are needy. That's not my point. My point is, you know, it affects a lot of people, not just you. And so uh, I hope you're getting my heartbeat, you know, but it's just uh, there's, uh, sometimes I, there's some people, I mean, I know myself. Sometimes I just liked it when my mom and my wife pampered me when I was sick. I like that. I like being waited on, you know, and feeling poor little boy, you know. There's something about my flesh that like that. I'll be honest. But at the same point in time, there's something about that that's also very selfish. And it's, felt, it's very self-centered. You know, I could actually be well and be a blessing to someone else versus being waited on. And I understand that sometimes when we have something, you know, we do need to reach out and be attentive to other people's needs. And, you know, if you are sick, we know we, we want to see you well. That's the ultimate answer. But at the same point in time, you know, my best friend was in the hospital for over a year, and I went to go see him three days a week, you know. I wanted to see him well. We prayed for him, but, and we ministered to him. But, you know, I, I went three days a week, ten hours a day for, for a year, you know. Uh, he, he needed to be waited on, you know. And so I'm, so I'm not saying we're going to close the door on people who need to be needed, but at the same point in time, you know, some people love to be sick. And we've seen a lot of different a aspects of that. Uh, Dave's friend that, that he talked about, uh, we actually have a neat uh, testimony regarding uh, Javier. Um, this was before we had, we had met Javier. Uh, he was living in Colorado uh, pastoring, and he had just met his future wife, and they were boyfriend and girlfriend. They were courting, and I forget if he had the flu or what it was that, that he was under the weather about. And so he had, you know, let let her know, and and she was going to come over. And he's like, all right, she's going to, you know, pet my head, and she's going to pamper me, and and serve me, and help me feel better. And uh, instead, she came in, and she basically preached the gospel to him. She, you know, preached the word of God, saying, God wants you well. This is not acceptable that you are going through this, and. She she set his his uh, mind to thinking. Wait a minute, you know, being sick. This isn't the will of God. This isn't uh, the time and place for me to be pampered. God's word is very clear that He wants you well, and uh, it changed his life. And so that was a that was a neat uh, testimony. And I'm not saying you railroad people, uh, but it is a chance to minister the the mercy and grace of God and God's word. Uh, to to start them on the track of <coughs> realizing, you know, God's word uh, is is above uh, all that we go through. Um, and I wanted to bring just an example of of anger because I want to make sure that we all get this. You know, you since conception, you know, when we get angry or uh, frustrated at someone. And, you know, our thoughts in us are just churning and, and we're in tur tur turmoil because the, the anger is just rising. You know, we're, we're, we're conceiving some bitter bitterness and anger in us that can be released to hurt someone else, either by the words we say or even, even something physical, uh, hurting someone and uh, or driving angry or, or different things and we can't take that back once we've released it when we've conceived that anger and, and said something in anger that just 
on purpose is to hurt the other person because we're angry to get them back for for hurting us you know we're we've opened the door big time to the enemy and that's not right and you know I get that I've been angry I've said stuff and did stuff in in anger that I'm I'm ashamed over but I've also been able to realize wait a minute I, I need to stop I uh, don't like saying things. Uh, for example, if Dave and I are, are in a disagreement and arguing, I really have to to watch my tone and my words because I don't I don't want to hurt them, him. That's number one. I don't want to hurt him. But number two, I hate afterwards when all the anger is gone and and, and done with. I don't like feeling guilty that I have on purpose in the moment hurt someone with my words or my actions and it devastates me. I mean, I apologize to Dave for hours and even days sometimes for something I did or said that I just was in the wrong frame of mind. And thank the Lord I have a husband who forgives me 70 times 7, 70 times 7 past that um, but you know I, I have learned to be able to by God's grace and the Holy Spirit to to temper that and realize hey I could escalate this argument because my I just I my flesh wants to or I can back off and I mean sometimes I've felt the Holy Spirit basically put a hand over my mouth and sometimes I've put my own hand over my mouth because I do not want to say something in, in anger. All right. Um, thank you. Very good. Very good. Let's uh, read some more. Uh, get out of my life. Is that section? I've <coughs> I visited a church once that had previously believed God could heal, that it wasn't His will to heal every single time. What I didn't know was that less than six months before I came, they had changed their mind to come into agreement with the word saying, it's God's will for every person to be well. He heals all the time. This was a brand new step of faith for them. The congregation was beginning to hear the word and starting to believe God for specific manifestations of healing. Two days before I arrived, that church had a funeral for a 17-year-old boy who had died after being in a coma for six weeks. The entire church had fasted and prayed, trying to implement the truths from God's word that they were being taught. Although they knew it was God's will to heal this boy, he died anyway. The outcome caused a tremendous amount of conflict, turmoil, and questions in that church. After the morning meetings, I went out to eat with the parents of the boy every day for three days trying to figure out exactly what had transpired. Since everyone had given it their best shot, doing everything they knew to do, many people in the church were beginning to back off the word, saying, maybe it's not God's will to heal every time. When I told them that that wasn't true, that God had already provided healing, and it's His will to heal every single time, they responded, well then, what's the problem? As I talked with the boy's parents those three days, I discovered that they had been in so much strife that they were about to get a divorce. They'd already made the plans and had talked about it with the children. 
so there was much strife, hurt, and negative emotion in that home. On the morning of the tragedy, the mother had an argument with this boy and told him, I hate you. Get out of my house and never come back again. She probably didn't mean what she said. She was just saying it out of the heat of, the, of emotion. I know that kids can sometimes get on your nerves. I've raised some myself. Raising kids is harder than raising the dead, and I've had to do both in my family. I'm not trying to condemn this lady, but before this boy left, she said, get out of my life and never come back again. Because the boy had been hurt by his mom, he violated school policy that day, left the school grounds, and went over to another kid's house to eat lunch. While there, they got out a gun, were playing with it, and the boy accidentally shot himself in the head. That's the reason he had been in a coma for six weeks. The parents just didn't understand how this could have happened. The word reveals that where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. James 3.16 Many people say, I agree that strife isn't the best. Nobody likes it, but it's just a normal part of life. Families fight and then they get over it. Without realizing that we're in a spiritual battle, they just tolerate different levels of strife in their life. The word says that envying and strife bring confusion. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. 1 Corinthians 14.33 If God isn't the author of confusion, guess who is? That's right, Satan. The devil is the one who, wherever envying and strife are, brings confusion and every evil work. When you fling a door open like that to the devil, don't be surprised if you see different forms of sickness, tragedy, poverty, and death manifest. Satan jumps on opportunities like that and uses them as inroads into your life. As a roaring lion, he's constantly seeking whom he may devour. You know, and that is a tragic story, you know. And I, and we, Sherry and I have talked about this many times with many people, including ourselves. You know, that sometimes when people are having an argument or there's contention in a particular, maybe it's just a particular situation, you know. Sometimes we, we say things in the heat of the moment. At the same point in time, those, those are seeds. Uh, we might not have meant it like that mom probably didn't mean what she said, but they are seeds. And, uh, you know, uh, the Bible does talk about idle talk. We have to be careful about idle talk, you know. Now, we're not speaking these things to make you all uh, spur fear. Cause that's, an, that's another result. But at the same point in time, you know, we need to be mindful of what we're saying. And how do we control what we're going to say? You know, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are you putting in your heart? What, are, what, what seeds are you putting in your heart? You know, we can be proactive versus reactive. You know, when, when I, I have noticed through the years that when I'm in a good relationship with God, I mean, I just have a good, healthy diet of being in the Word of God, going to church, being around godly people. It might not be every day. I would love it for it to be every day. There have been times where it's been almost every day, you know. But but the more I do it, I mean, uh, especially those times when I was doing things every day as far as the church meeting together or Bible college or whatever. You know what? I had a very hard time for my mouth to go, go wild on me, <laughs> you know. Um, 
Yeah, but when time, when sometimes when things get busy, I get occupied, get distracted, or there's a uh, things, a lot of stress and strife going on, you know. Uh, then I, you know, I, I've noticed that, uh, and I'm not in the word like I should. I'm not fellowshipping as I as I should, you know, especially during the times of COVID and whatnot. You know, I have to be careful with my mouth. My mouth can get a little loose. And I'm not saying I would be vulgar, but at the same point in time, we can still say negative. We can still be negative. We can be critical. You know, we can uh, uh, not speak blessings as much. We can speak, you know. Uh, I know I know there's a famous saying, and I agree with it. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. At the same point in time, the other negative of that is you're not speaking blessings either. <laughs> you're not blessing people. You're not speaking life. You know, sometimes keeping your mouth shut is better than saying something negative. But we should be saying something positive. The, uh, Sherry's quoted already tonight. I'll, you know, uh, the mouth, what the, uh, I can't be quoted now. Life and death are. Life and death are in the tongue. Yes, we don't want to speak death over things. But if we're keeping shut, we're not, we're also not speaking life over things. You know, and so I don't know about you, but I want to speak life, you know. And I don't do it as much because I've been a lot more busier these days. But I used to try to. There's a lot of junk on Facebook, and I tried to. I used to try to do it where I'm going to fo- post at least one positive thing today, one thing to fo- get, get people's focus on Jesus or the truth or the Word. And uh, and there have been times where I have been so busy I haven't been able to do that. And and uh, and then there's, you know and so. Sometimes I want to say some negative things just like everyone else. Because I'm just as frustrated. But you know what? I choose. I think, you know what? I'm going to speak life. How can I speak life versus death? How can I speak something positive versus sarcasm? and Or whatever the case may be. And so, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, sometimes when we say something in the heat of the moment, like this mom, you know, the, the end results can be very tragic. You know, and this is not... This is not to go finger pointing at the mom or what you know. At the same point in time, you reap what you sow. Uh, it's just a matter of it, it, it's the way it, it's the way it works. And and you know we we can do that so easily. Um, I know Andrew was talking about this family and what the mom said to the boy. You know, parents. That I mean, that's a great example of of using parents and children and what they say. You know, I've been around. Um, Either parents and their children, or even spouses, where they're they're uh, putting the like they're putting the child down. Oh, they're they're stupid. They're just not going to get this class. They're not going to succeed in life. Um, they're just um, they're not any at all like like I am. They're just lazy. I mean, everything negative, and they'll do it in public. Oh yeah, my my kid was such a brat and. I mean, they're, they're sowing pad seeds, but I've also seen the other side where the the parent is like, oh my gosh, you know, Johnny, yeah, maybe he's not getting great in, good grades in school, but you know what? He is really good in this area. He just, his, his mind just grasps this so well, and um, he always has a good attitude. I mean, always... The, the parents speaking life, sowing seeds that way. Uh, I've, I've seen that in spouses where I might have wives come to me and be like, oh my gosh, my husband. And it's like, no, I, one, I don't want to hear your complaint about your, your husband. 
um, I am all for speaking life. You know, I, I've been to several bridal showers, um, and the part of the, the, the festivities is giving advice to the, 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 the bride to be. And my number one thing is never speak negative about your husband. Do not go to your mom and speak and, and, and complain about him. Do not go to your girlfriends and complain about him. You speak life over him. Oh my gosh, Dave does this. Oh my gosh, he's so good. Oh my gosh, he's forgiven me over this. Oh, he's so, I mean, speaking life over your spouse, it brings health to your marriage. I know it's just one aspect of sowing seed in your, in your marriage, but it is a, such a beneficial seed. And, um, you know, we don't realize the seeds that we can sow, uh, whether speaking negative or positive, uh, speaking words of life, you know, sharing, sharing the, the gospel. Um, you know, my parents get to be around my nieces and nephews and uh, they were instrumental in uh, recently um, my niece coming to the Lord. I mean, just being able to, to bring godly lessons in, in, in the conversations and different things. You know, that, that's a big deal. That is such a big deal for the kingdom of God to be able to speak into people's lives. And um, we, we just, you know, we don't always realize the power that our tongues have either to speak life or speak death. And, um, I'm glad Andrew's bringing it out. Uh, and, and I know it's only one aspect of, of this whole book, but it's just something to think about. And if, if you're like me back in the day when I was like, I can't control my tongue. I can't uh, control my emotions. I am just, I don't have patience. I don't have goodness. Well, you know what? As believers, we do have that. The Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And we do have patience. We do have love. We do have joy. We can either, like Andrew says, uh, allow God or allow the enemy to have the influence in our lives. All right, well, we're, we're just about out of time. Um, again, i got to cut it off here because we're at the end of Chapter 2, so we'll pick it up Chapter 3 next week, uh, which we'll be talking about <clears throat> kind of on the same topic that we've been in about Satan's inroads. And we'll be talking about that next week, which is kind of really going on the, off the same topic. So, uh, But there's some other aspects of this that we need to look at. So, you know, we're like, what does this have to do with spiritual warfare? Well... You know, you won't have to cast the devil out of some things if you don't let him in. <laughs> so, you know, you know, uh, one of the aspects of uh, spiritual warfare or spiritual authority is also, you know, you need to have your defenses up. You know, there are certain things that, you know, they're not let Satan in. You won't have to cast them out if you don't let him in. <laughs> you know, and so... You know, there's certain things that we're going to do. You know, in our house, we have we have fences, we have gates, we keep we have doors on on the on the house. We keep uh, certain people out. You know, I mean, if we had to, we we have proper ways to get people out. But at the same point of time, we don't have to let them in to begin with. 
you know. And so um, sometimes you can be proactive. You know, when I do marriage counseling, I, I usually uh, I talk about we talk about different things, but one of the things we talk about we we talk we talk about a few different things to hopefully be proactive to to, to prevent marital arguments and and, and and whatnot. And there's some things that we talk about to be proactive because uh, you got two individuals coming together, and that can actually be they don't they're in love, but they haven't started living together. <laughs> Uh, I know that's not always the case nowadays, but at the same point in time, you know, it can be a different story when you start living together and you've got different expectations. And sometimes if you communicate those expectations, you can figure out how to work things out and uh, where you don't let the enemy in. We're, we're trying to eliminate strife and contention and envy and so uh, and learn how to communicate, you know. I think almost, most arguments, I believe, are in, are. Our conflicts happen because of misunderstandings. Not every argument's that way, and I understand it just brought out rebellion and and arrogance and all kinds of stuff. But a lot of, uh, since if I can say sincere arguments, uh, was because of misunderstandings and miscommunication and and lack, uh, expectations that were uh, not just in marriage but other type of relationships, employee employer friendships. Uh, parent, uh, parent, child, uh, you know, because expectations were met, but then again, those expectations were never communicated. You know, we always, we always teach it's un, it's an unfair argument to get mad at someone when you never told them their expectations. You know, uh, it's 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 almost like uh, getting mad for them doing something that they didn't know was offensive to you. Now, there's some things that are just you know they're obvious that would be disrespectful to anybody. But same point in time, people do have different values. I mean, uh, yeah, it, could be, it could be something simple as leaving the toilet seat up, you know. Some people, they wouldn't think twice about it because they grew up in the home of just a bunch of boys. And that's just the way it was, you know. But then, uh, but there's some manners. And, and different manners can be different in different cultures. In different, uh, uh, even in the United States, some things that you do in the South, you're not going to do in the West, you know, or up North. And so, so anyway, uh, we're just out of time for today. Yeah, and you know, you you also, and I'll use Dave and I as an example. There's different things um, that because I know Dave so well, I know he's not going to do something on purpose to aggravate me. And the times that I do get mad and frustrated is because, well, could be many things, but, you know, I know when I get tired, I get cranky, and so some, some things can, that can bother me. And so I might snap at him for something that he did, with, did without thinking. But I also am at a, a place in my life, again, I, I credit the Holy Spirit with so so much of my the, the change in me because he has helped me through so much but he's also helped me see that because I know Dave and the Holy Spirit knows him even better than I do that Dave does not do things maliciously to me it might be a forgetful thing or he didn't hear me or you know something something very light like that and so I can control my frustration not all the time because uh, <laughs> I'm I'm not perfect, um, 
but God has really helped me see that people don't always do things maliciously and I need to give them the benefit of the doubt and I was using Dave as an example because I know him so well and I know that he doesn't do things uh, maliciously against me or to, to, to be mean or get me frustrated and so I, I can take a step back and say okay it's just something he forgot usually he's very good at this but you know today he forgot and I just move on with my life and yet there's other people who might have the same thing happen to them but they just took it as everyone's against them and and they can let their their anger out but you know it's just this all is just we're I mean we're only finished chapter two of believers authority Andrews brings some stuff out for us to really stop and think and consider. But one thing that has helped me, even before I met Andrew, was realizing people are not my enemy. They might be under Satan's influence or might have had a bad day or whatever it is that uh, to, to have them react like they did. But they are not my enemy. And God is very clear in his word that it's a spiritual battle, that flesh and blood are not our enemy, that we do have principalities and powers that are our enemies. Um, and and we, we need to really to consider that and not just go after people and, and say, oh my gosh, they're my enemy because they just don't like me, yada, yada. Uh, we really need to have a spiritual mindset for uh, all of this. Awesome. Well, let me just pray us out, Lord. We just worship you. We just thank you, Lord. Uh, we thank you for the cross. We thank you, Lord, that in Christ we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And greater seed us in us and heed us in the world. Lord, teach us. Teach us uh, uh, as your disciples. Teach us how to walk in the spirit that we might not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Teach us to to harness our emotions. Teach us, Lord, to be mindful of the things that we say and the things that we do to one another. Teach us this whole principle where there's envy and strife, there's every evil work. Lord, we worship you. We magnify you. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen. You guys have a good week. We'll see you on Sunday as we start live streaming at about 11.15 a.m. All right.